0: for Life with Stephen North. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Insatiable Lust for Life. I am your host, Stephen North, and what a glorious day it is to be alive. 2020 has been a very interesting year in the experiences that we have been having, where control has become a very, very big topic. And control is an actually interesting topic because it's the idea of what we thought we would talk about. And I have Janine Keel, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. And in the November newsletter that I sent out, I raised the topic of control. And there was a sentence that I said that many people are trying to control what cannot be controlled. And humanity, or, and I've seen this in my own life, I know I've attempted to do, to do this in previous years, is, is that we try to control the uncontrollable. And how many times have we always tried to control the uncontrollable? We have self-control where we need to hold ourselves back. We have control of our behaviours, our mental health, of other people, of relationships, of how computers are working, of how phones are working. And there's always these things of control. And then you have control over other people when you have the Trying to manipulate their belief systems and how they're meant to be feeling, you try to control emotions, there's nothing but control, 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 although how many times do we actually succeed in the outcome of trying to control something successfully? So that is the topic of what we are going to be talking about in this episode of the Insatiable Lust for Life and I have Janine Keel with me and how are you today Janine?
1: Hi Steve, I'm really good, thank you. And the one thing I want to say before we start is I'm not going to be preachy this time. So I was in the first episode. So those the first bomb of control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I see that you've got this whole professional persona and it's like you're holding back. There's that game of control again.
1: Yeah. It just seems to pop up when bomber, bomber. Oh. When, when the podcast comes on.
0: One of the things that I was talking about with a friend of mine it's quite interesting how we kind of have this self-control thing where the moment that we know something is recording, whether it's a camera, whether it's a microphone and and when we're consciously aware, a whole different persona comes out.
1: Very much so, yeah. I think it's because we know that it's going to be going out into the public. It's not as private as when we're just talking together. So it just seems to change the dynamics somehow. It seems, like, I feel it's like a sort of responsibility to, I suppose, watch what I'm saying.
0: Well, that's true because so I'm not trying to watch my language, so you know what I'm like off <laughs> off air. Um, but this evening when I was talking about this in, when I was driving to the gym and, uh, yeah, the gym was fun, I'm doing boxing and, uh well, I didn't control my left hook into his jaw and I didn't control my blocks and I got punched multiple times. But um, one of the things that I noticed and I was in the conversations or the deep thoughts or ponderings that we call it, whatever it is, um, we're talking about how we try to control how we are perceived by others. So here we are doing these recordings and... It's re- and we're trying and it's very interesting because when, I'm, when we're looking at Instagram or Facebook and we're saturated in all these adverts and all these sorts of things we have these perceptions and we try and manage perceptions we try and control how we are seen and we have this in advertising we have this in marketing uh, we have this in politics we have this in government we have this in media and we're trying to have this sort of control about how we are seeing. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, I I feel, yeah, because we, I think it's the way we've been brought up as well, because for me personally, I've always been concerned about what other people think of me because of childhood. When I was always trying to express myself, I was sort of shamed and told to shut up and that then i came to the conclusion that what i had to say wasn't worth saying so i, I was starting to get that concern every time i um tried to express myself verbally that i would be judged so once you start to think, "Oh well, I'm going to be judged by what you say, then you, you just sort of you sort of shy away from doing this sort of thing. You, you worry about what the opinions of others, the perceptions of others because of being criticized in the past for it. So it's like these learned behaviors, these habits that start to to form um, that then limit us in the way we we express ourselves. So I feel that's, then that's become this form of control. What do you think about that?
0: Well, as you were talking about that, I had memories just surface of my previous marriage and when we were young, dating eighteen, nineteen. Um, she was very. I don't know how to explain very worried about how she was perceived so that whole feeling of not being good enough because the whole relationship was based on flaws and it was all about well you don't have a degree what career have you going to have you don't have this what are you going to do you don't have that what are you going to do and I tried to study electronics for one semester because I have an interest in electronics, I have an interest in systems and I thought of becoming an um, electronic engineer. And then in the first semester, I found that I was struggling to study. So uh, what I would then attempt to do was to go back to ADHD medication. And what, that, and what I found over the years of being treated for medication, like my entire personality changed. The whole, everything changed. In that moment, I started taking those pills because um, I remember one time when we were, you know, doing the teenager thing, uh, she started to get very emotional because it felt like she was cheating on me, but it was me because the whole different personality has changed because of the way the medication put me in was controlling. It became very controlling as to who I was, but, you know, we got used to it. So we kept on going and the whole perceptions of you know, how we were seen because we, were, we it was like all the issues and all the problems had to be hidden behind the doors and you had to have this status, you had to have this perception and persona because when we started working in the court, she was working in the Supreme Court and I started working for the Department of Justice and we worked for the same agency um, and ended up being like again, perception, perception, perception. And it was always, you know, during that whole period, there was always like, especially the drug medication, it felt like my whole personality was being controlled because of the medication. I couldn't express who I was. I couldn't talk. I couldn't share. I really, really, like, again, I had the same experience. I felt like I shut down because I didn't want to talk to anyone because of how much effort it required to articulate in order to be understood. So because I couldn't control the language or control the words or anything, um, maybe that's the wrong reference is controlling because I could not articulate the words in a way that other people expected because expectations is a form of control, I reckon. Mm. Um, Life just got absolutely depressing. Like I remember asking the question, is this all life is?
1: Yeah. But I think it also, we can also have expectations on ourselves, put so much, you know, high expectations of how we are coming across, that that's, then perfection starts to come in, perfectionism, I should say, starts to come in. And that then leads to procrastination, because you're wanting it to be a certain way you wanting to, to show yourself in a certain way. And if you're not, then you think, no, I, I'm not going to do this because you, then that's but you start criticising yourself. And it just sort of, it's like a downhill spiral, really. You
0: we had that like, um, with the previous recording, um, with all the with all the artefacts in the sound feedback. So it was like, oh, well, we could do it again, but it would have ch- it would have changed the dynamic of that whole conversation so we published it anyway.
1: Yeah, when I, I was like concerned about how I'd come across because I thought when I, when I was listening to myself, I thought, I sound really preachy here and that is not the way I wanted to come across. But then, you know, again, it's like this concern of how, I was, how I'm perceiving myself, but somebody else may think completely different of what I'm saying they may not seem may not sound preachy to someone else I was perhaps just being overcritical critical of my of my performance on that particular episode again it's like that perfectionism is, is coming in um, but at the same time I was feeling proud of myself as well because it was like a step forward for me to actually to speak to, to do to get be involved in the podcast because at one po- one time I would not have done this. I would have shied away, mainly because I was I, I just felt that I wasn't good enough to express myself because of being shamed in the past because of I didn't feel that I had something worthy to say. So in doing that podcast it was like a, a very cathartic experience. It's like I was retrieving a part of myself that had become dormant from past experience and become that conclusion that well, I haven't got anything to say, I've not got anything to contribute. And that really just, it was like a game changer for me to do that that recording. That's very and, and obviously today, it's like sort of a soul retrieval in a way, you know, of that part of me had become dormant is what when I was doing I was partaking in this inner child uh, course that I've been gifted there was an aspect of it that was was about healing the inner child's voice and when I was partaking in the meditation I could really feel this energy and this power like I was being assisted to make change and I realized how much I had I had hidden my voice or it had been dormant and somebody said to me uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was Janine, you're hiding behind your art you're hiding behind your art and I I didn't really know what she meant at that time, I didn't really appreciate that but like in the last few weeks, months and and doing that course it it triggered this, it made me realise that this part of myself had not been expressed. And, it, and, it, and, it was, and there's this yearning now to do so, because of, to, in order to heal, in order to reclaim that aspect of myself.
0: That's very interesting so, <laughs> I had a few things, surface today I'm just hearing some feedback which is very interesting but that's okay Um, when we're on the like when we're again when I was driving and pondering and thinking about this form of control I started wondering how deep do these systems go because you know we're told what to believe We're told how we should act. We're self-critical, self-judging, self-depressing on how we should be. And we really berate ourselves. And I keep pondering on how far back does this go? How far back? Because electromagnetic, the spectrum itself, is a form of control because we uh, we love our electromagnetic spectrum because we can control it we can measure it we can invoice you for it because you're using electricity and because electricity you, you know is used in electromagnetic we, and that has a measurement so we can measure it and therefore invoice you and we can do things with it we can put it into light bulbs we can control it we domesticate animals so we can control them the, you know a sense i don't know about that one i was thinking like how we teach behaviors to children in a way to hopefully that they can be well-mattered and control you know and control how they're growing up growing up with their beliefs and what they're exposed to and but we look at things like Religion, spirituality, always saying how we should be. This is what you should do. This is what you need to do. And thinking about some of these, and you would say, yes, you said, preachers. And it's all about this is what you should do. This is what you need to do. This is how you solve the problem. And men are pretty uh, good at problem solving because every time you talk to us, we want to solve the problem straight away. But that's just our habits but it really wanted to know how big this whole systems of control because we're trying to control the finance systems we're trying to control the weather it's like one of the things that the masters have said is that if humanity could uh reach the blueprints that were trying to control them too so control is kind of a really big thing and one of the things that I realized is why bother with it? Why bother trying to control the outcome? Because when I look at my family and my mom's experience of being diagnosed with bone cancer, that whole form of control of what she thought she had with her life is now gone. Her health is impacted. Her physical form was impacted she can't go traveling as much as she wants to she had all these plans but now there's no control she's not going to live for 20 years she doesn't know if she's going to live for six months she doesn't know if she's going to wake up tomorrow because that control of your own life is gone when you know we're all longing for stability and trying to control the outcome for that stability It'd be a complete culture shock because like, look at COVID, how much of a shock that has been because no one can control. You can't control if you're going into lockdown. You can't control people. If people, when you try and guide them to be in a space of control where they're in a hotel lockdown quarantine so that they can be tested and make sure that the virus doesn't spread, they escape or they get out or they bribe the guard and then all of a sudden you have Victoria the guards sleeping with the people that are in quarantine because of you know the whole either lack of respect for authority or not wanting to be controlled it's kind of a very interesting topic because what is control just what is control
1: i think I feel it's like, um, it's like i having a power over other people, other situations, I mean look at religion, how that's had power over people, like there's a lot of information being taken out of the Bible. Like reincarnation's being taken out of the Bible.
0: Yeah, there's a reason for that. It's an interesting documentary to watch. Reincarnation was removed from the Bible so that people would think that this is their only lifetime so that would work harder. There we go. There's that step of control. Exactly. And it wasn't removed by religion. It was removed by a king who told the church to remove it.
1: But it doesn't matter, though, does it? It's still taken out so that people wouldn't know about it, people wouldn't be aware of it so that they can understand that there's that you know like for example why is one person got everything and then another person has nothing? If there's one life that doesn't make sense, it's not logical. So this whole idea of it to have been taken out of the bible it just it just makes things doesn't make sense but it's because they wanted power over the people and in a lot of other cases as well that there's power over people because like the media how much power have they have over the people like the, the news they show what they want to show instead of what is really happening
0: on the topic of the media i had when i was heading out to the gym i saw a mum was watching the news or something like a talkback show an opinion show and all i saw in the screen was santa claus is now woke and politically correct and the, <coughs> the reason and i laughed and i walked out the door and i came back and i said hang on a second there's an error in that statement because if Santa Claus was woke and politically correct, he knows he would know he didn't exist. In the way that we have the whole story of Santa Claus, we know that it wouldn't exist because it's based on a Dutch priest in the, you know in the Netherlands and what that action of that priest has done. Because I can't ask the question, what's Santa got to do with Jesus? Mm. Well, I found the answer, and after doing a bit of research, and that was that. Coca-Cola kind of uh, grabbed the story and (laughs) commercialised it. So all of a sudden you have this great celebration of Christmas because someone's installed a belief system that's been manipulated so that they can have commercial, marketing, advertising, sales. But that was about how a child asked Santa Claus for a Nerf gun and Santa Claus says, we don't give children with guns.
1: It's interesting.
0: And and that's how it made the media because Santa Claus says uh, he's anti-gun. So, of course, he's woke and politically correct now. But again, that's the media treating that story in one perspective.
1: But it's also like, you know, you look at fashion. And how much influence do they have over people?
0: Have a look at Instagram.
1: You know, the, the models and then the, the trends of clothing, and... people not to have their own minds on how they, they dress? Do we have to follow uh, some sort of uh, celebrity? Oh, they're wearing this this week. Let's let's wear that. So there's that control. Oh, I mean, then it that takes it into like uh, our diets, the food we eat, because all oh, we want to be, you know, I mean, in the magazines they show all these, these. I mean, it's getting better. You know, they are starting to introduce different size figures. Of models but you know how influential has that been on and impacted the you know the teenagers and and that you know the how they what they eat because they want to be like the models you know like like twigs so again is that that form of control that influence there
0: Well, it's interesting you brought that up because one of the things that, as I said, went through this medication regime and were trialing all sorts of different chemicals and cocktails. And one of these pills that I had was, um, would encourage weight gain, like really encourage weight gain. Like I put the weight back on and then I managed to lose weight using iso- using isogenics but of course, because I didn't lose the weight in a way that the body, in the way that we work with the body, um, the body decided, no, I'm used to being this weight and started moving back to that weight again because I was trying to store all the foods on whatever it is. And I felt so ashamed because of who would love someone who's a who's got a dad bod you know here's this single guy in physical form and to have this dad bod when you, you've got this mentality and belief system of that you should be skinny, you should be guns and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I'm doing it now because I want to do it. I'm doing it now because I want to feel alive. I'm doing it now because I want to... Uh, I enjoy the intensi- intensity of the training and uh, walking away with bruises, although I'm not so much of a fan with the bruises lately. He's punching pretty hard, but... There was if it wasn't for having to learn and really have that self-love and change it, the reason why I'm doing it is not to be because not to be accepted, but because I want to do it, really broke that controlling belief. And one of the things that I've learned, especially this month, I mean it's December, November, it's all the same right? Time time just doesn't exist. Um, that by not giving a shit, by not caring, I became happier. I became. It was like. Any form of. Con- like this control that we. The topic, or any f- of self control or self controlling beliefs, was shattered.
1: Yeah. It's the same with myself, really. Um, because. It's just. Yeah, I've been so wrapped up in all these beliefs. And like I say, perfectionism, and trying to keep spent most of my life people pleasing. And when you do that, you end up in a state of lack. When you're so busy trying to control everything, when you're so busy trying to be perfect, you always you're always looking at things from a from a perspective of lack and recently the last i don't know a few weeks few months that's really changed it's like i've come to realize that what's really important is my existence before anything i exist before like wanting to gain success, wanting to how, concern myself how I'm perceived by other people, um, how much how much money I possess, how you know all these different things that we really take seriously and 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 focus on, are sort of taking a back seat in the realization that. I am here, I exist, and I am enough, just as I am. And everything else is just add-ons from that. So when, if I go into a state where I'm I'm starting to feel that sense of lack again, then I remind myself, say, wait a minute, you exist, you don't need to achieve, you don't need to be successful, you don't need to possess, you don't need to, focus on the normal things that we focus on in, in in our daily life because this is the most important this is the fundamental aspect of life is that we exist before all this all this stuff no matter what's happening not what no matter what the outcomes are the results are of of, of anything that we do or don't do it's like a this week i was there was this customer I had in my business, and and I wasn't, I was sort of feeling really uncomfortable with the requests that she'd asked me to do. And and it, it, it didn't turn out in the end, and I ended up giving her a refund because it just was the, the connection wasn't working out, and at one time I would have felt really down on myself about it, like I'd failed in some way or other. but I didn't this time. I realised that okay, that happened. It's just one of those things. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter because I'm, I'm still. I'm, it's not the end of the world. I'm still here. I'm still existing. Whether that worked out or it didn't, it just, it just, it's just showing me that what's, what's really truly important in life. And that enables you then, or enables me then to, to enjoy life, no matter whether things turn out or they don't, We're not focusing on the results or conclusions or outcomes or destinations anymore, we're actually, I'm actually focusing on the very act of whatever I'm doing, the experience itself, and it doesn't really matter what happens. It's just that I'm ex- I'm here and I'm experiencing. That's what I. That's how I'm perceiving life now, and it's it's like lightens. It makes you feel. It lines you up because you're not taking things so seriously anymore.
0: That's actually something that I thought about. Day when I mean, thinking about what I wanted to talk next in the, in, like, in the podcast. And that was how regimented, structured, and controlled we set our lives to be. We wake up in the morning. We get ready, have breakfast, shower. We would go to work. Do whatever. Come home. Eat watch TV, play the computer, do something, go to bed. Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, routines, routines, routines. Very, very controlling. So much so that that passion for experiences, that passion for love, that passion for life, disappears. You kind of get it if you decide to take a week off work and go on a holiday. You kind of get it if you're going to a nightclub on a Friday night, but that lust for life, that insatiable lust for life, disappears. Because it seems to be that if humanity lived in an ant ant farm, we wouldn't know any different. Because it's the same routine, it's the same jobs, we work and work and work and if you look at an ant farm it's constantly going, busy, 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 busy and that's what our life is like, we're like bloody ants in the whole, you know, get up, except we have a little bit more luxury than ants, we can jump in a car that has leather trim and heated seats, we can have a two story house, we, you know, it's, it's the same, but yet it's the same day in day out monday to friday monday to sunday routine routine happy birthday merry christmas happy hanukkah it's like oh we get these little breaths of fresh air until covid hit and then we got at least six months of fresh air of uh, broken routines broken habits broken patterns yeah they say it takes six days to break a habit six weeks to create one you know, that's yeah. so. If you don't go to the gym for six weeks, you know, regularly, six days later, you're going to break it. You know, I didn't go for the gym for the past seven days, and uh, yeah, sure, I understand. Like, uh, I don't feel like going today. No, let's go. But that whole regimented belief structures of what we should do takes us away from that. Just that passion, that thirst. To explore life, back in 2014, they said to me in in the very first channel session, "What do you do when you go on a holiday? You try new foods, you try new places, you have a complete new awareness of the experiences that you're having, and those new experiences that you're having becomes a memory. You're excited." because you're about to jump on a plane and going for a trip. Actually, that reminds me of a, a conversation with Amy where you'd look at an airplane and in the house, you complain about the noise. But when you look at the plane, you've got people graduating people going on a honeymoon. You've got this incredible amount of life force on a plane that's flying over and you're bitching about the noise. You don't realize how much life force, how much excitement and passion is on this plane. So without going on the plane, we have these routines. And what I'm trying to get at is that if we treat every single day like a holiday, because when I say I stop caring, I stopped caring whether I live today or tomorrow. Because if I die tomorrow and I know that I've lived, if I die right now knowing that I've lived, I'm happy. Because I don't care whether I die today or tomorrow. Because I've lived. And I'm going to live. And I want to live. Because... I want to explore the world, I want to see, I want to talk, I want to hear people's stories. So many challenges and obstacles people are experiencing, we can learn from them all. There is that passion to hear, to feel, to sense, and yet everything that we have, everything that we are, we just take for granted. And I've seen this yeah. in myself and I see it in others.
1: Absolutely. Whereas,
0: like, we have this skin that's just incredible. We can sense, we can touch, we can feel we can breathe, we can sense, we can smell, we can lick a battery and get electrocuted. And if we merge all these incredible opportunities and senses into like, into who we are, into our daily lives, life becomes more of an adventure. Why do you think yeah. I go see horror movies? To sense, to overwhelm my senses so I know I exist. I may not like the slashes, I may not like, you know, curling up and freaking out in the middle of a chip but in that moment the way I'm responding I know I exist
1: you know that you're alive yeah your heart's been intent to the dozen
0: <laughs> my fingernails are in the ceiling you know it's like
1: you just scratch, scratch the walls and
0: <laughs> and this is that whole what I've been exploring for the past few months going, like past few years, ever since the question I asked, is, is this all life is taking six pills a day and going to work? And there's all these beliefs of control. Even money is control, a mortgage is control. And I'm not saying get rid of your mortgage. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that what I found in my own life is that the only reason why I went to work was to pay a mortgage. Here I am feeling a bit of a turmoil because I'd like to ha- I'd like to live. I'd like to have my own place. I'd like to drive, buy another car. I'd like to do more things. But then I can't do all these things because there's not enough money. So then you've got to start going, well, how do I get more money? And then you start paying a mortgage and then... You're working in order to pay the mortgage, you're going to work to pay the mortgage, you're going to work to pay the car loan, You can, and all of a sudden you become controlled by the need to pay bills, by the need to pay, by the need to spend, and it's just a really strange thing.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like it's backwards really, isn't it? because it, it, the first thing is like is to enjoy life and to enjoy it but we have to do all these things in order to, to be able to enjoy it doesn't make sense you know we have to earn money so that like you say you, you can buy a car you can uh, pay a mortgage and get your food and, and you're so sort of wrapped up in that that you miss enjoying the simplicity of life you know, the, like you say, you get so wrapped up in all these routines and we just are like, and I think in a way we've been spoiled because of all that's available for us to um, purchase. You know, all the things that are available to us and we get so wrapped up in that materialism that we miss, that we, we can miss what's here. The, the the life life itself that and the, that we are that is life itself. I mean, when you were talking away there, I was it reminded me of when I used to work with young children. I used to work with like two to three year olds, and I love that age group because you could see the, the excitement in that child. All those children, because they'd just moved up from the babies. They'd, they'd just learned to walk. They'd just started to learn to talk. And for them, that was a, a big thing. It had opened up a new world for them. You can see that the, the, it's like a big adventure because they, they're starting to speak. They're able to communicate with their peers they can move around a lot better and explore the environments. So there's that sense of wonder and awe. I mean, I was there, yeah, supposed to be caring and teaching these children. But in truth, they were teaching me. They were teaching me how to live through being curious, spontaneous, expressing myself (laughs) just for the pure joy of expressing oneself, not because of this or that, or because I want to achieve a certain outcome, but because they just wanted to express themselves. And it was like, you could see the joy. Like, for example, if they did a piece of artwork, that that scribble, the, the, the this painted scribble on the paper, the, the, you could see the intensity of them scribbling on this paper with the paintbrush. And that you could see, you could could sense the, the energy flow coming through them with abandon. And it reminded me, this is how I need to be. This is how I need to live my life, with abandon. Not being consistent. Not just so focused on routine. But because of all the insecurities that we sort of develop through life because of, as I say, things that have happened to us and then the duties and responsibilities, that all gets in the way of that. And we forget it. And then we end up like, like you've, you've mentioned, we just get so focused on routine instead of just doing something spontaneously and unpredictably. And this is something I'm, I'm sort of really trying to change in my own life, is to become more unpredictable and do things more spontaneously. That's not in a, a, a some form of routine. and to to, to keep reminding myself to appreciate everything, to appreciate life in the most simplest of terms, like just breathing, being able to breathe, is a, we take such for granted. Because in one lifetime I was, I wasn't able to, I I died early in my life because I had a, a lung condition and in this lifetime, I'm able to breathe freely and easily. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, how grateful I am I, and be able to breathe. Because how many, so many people are struggling with that, especially like at the moment with COVID, struggling with being able to breathe properly. And that lack of quality in your life because you can't do this, this or this because you, you've got to have an oxygen tank or something. with you. Because I've seen people in, in the supermarket with oxygen tanks, and you think, wow, how lucky I am I'm able to just go around the supermarket getting what I want, being able to breathe freely and easily, and there's still these people struggling around the supermarket with a with an oxygen tank in the in the trolley. And it just it just brings home to you how how fortunate I am.
0: I should a post not a so longer. And there's a quote. The quote reads, The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. He to whom the emotion is a stranger, who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as death. His eyes are closed. That was a quote from Albert Einstein. One of my favourite quotes is imagination... Is more important than knowledge, which is by Albert Einstein as well. But the first one is again what you're just saying. To look at life in all. I think in the previous episode we were talking about the importance of the physical form and to always remind ourselves we are here, we exist. Because we do exist. We all exist on the same planet and right now we are all sharing the same global experience a pandemic and it's brought on so much change so much mental instability so much physical instability and in regards to how the importance for life is what is life and If we can look, as you've explained, at life through the eyes of a child, life will be different. And that is why the whole passion behind the insatiable lust for life is there. Because if we can change the perspectives, and I know that many have done, in this search for happiness, in search for self-love, in search for peace, others have done it. Others are doing it. Others are talking about it. The masters are talking about it now. And Amy's spoken about it because we went from depression. And we went from depression in order to flip it to go, okay, this is an experience that we learned to love and appreciate because of the growth, the gift of betrayal. The betrayal was cutting, but it brought change. It changed who I am. It, it saw some incredible growth, and what I, and rather than having this disdain for life, this hatred, this negative aspect, this this whole whatever it is, I think the whole quest was to change the mentality of how we look at life, because every person is struggling you know walking through the street last night and i'm seeing homeless people yeah but yet they're not ending their lives they may be struggling more than everyone else that we know but they exist they're having that life they're experiencing that life they're not giving up on life and they yeah. may be with one blanket under in a door in a window Or a door of a shop, trying to find shelter. But they've not given up. And there's probably a lot to learn from these people. And I think that, is there anything more that you wish to add?
1: I think you've said it all, really. as I say I think the most important thing is to remember that not to take life for granted and to remind ourselves to to be more spontaneous to be more unpredictable and, and also not to think we have to be master at everything because I think that's what creates this control as well—that we have to master everything that we do. If we say we're doing something new for the first time, this is this is something that I struggled with. That for you know, if I'm doing something new for the first time, oh, I've got to be good at it, or I shouldn't do it, I shouldn't have a go. But that's me controlling interfering actually i would say it was like a form of interference in life because i'm too concerned about trying to do it fantastically the first time and again i to take it back to the children when you look at a child trying to walk how many times do they fall down before they actually walk and that's how, the way i like to look at when i'm doing something new is I'm learning to walk in that experience for the first time. So many times I might fall down, but it's about getting back up again. So the child is really a great symbol for, and a great teacher for us, for myself anyway. And I think for, for us all to observe a child, see how they live. We get so focused on secondhand knowledge through books and courses, but you don't need to. Just look at a child, observe the children. Let's follow them and how they live, because they don't live in in past or future. They have no concept of time. They live in the here and now, live fully in this in the every moment. And that's where I want to
0: end it now. <laughs> On the topic of time, and I'm just going to sneak <laughs> it in because, like, you know, time doesn't exist, but, hey, we're running out of time. On the weekend, I really got <sighs> to witness time not existing at all. It was the most incredible experience. I got to spend two days away and just sitting in the backyard. And all I did was typed a newsletter and that's as far as I've got. And then when I came home on the Saturday night, Sunday morning, I woke up, scheduled the newsletter after revising it and sending it out. But what I noticed is that at one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting outside and by the and then when I look at the clock again, it's 7 p.m. And then I'm like, oh, I better do something about dinner. What time is it? Oh, hang on a second, it's 9 p.m. I'm like, where's the time gone? But then it was all a blur. Like that whole period of a few hours seemed to last a fleeting moment in time. (laughs) So I thank you for joining us. I thank you for listening to The Insatiable Lust for Life. I'm here with Janine Keel, And we shall leave it there. Because time's run out. So until next time, this is Stephen North, and I thank you for listening. This is The Insatiable Lust for Life. And make sure you subscribe. Ciao. Welcome to The Insatiable Lust for Life with Stephen North.